Well, hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled, What Scars Can Teach Us. Now, that may seem a little weird to start the new year talking about scars, which of course leads to conversations about pain and loss and suffering. But if it were any other time frame than between 2020 and 2022, that might seem weird. But right now, this is unprecedented times. And I know that sometimes you get tired of hearing about it because we're constantly just barraged with all kinds of, of news information about what's happening right now. But as cliche as this sounds, this is our time. This is our time in history, beloved. Every, it, throughout the course of human events, there's a time where humans need to show up and experience in community something. And I think that's where we are right now. So I feel like that, especially for us, we were in, in here where we're so tech savvy and we're so connected in so many ways. We have gotten very comfortable with thinking that we have control over our lives, but these last couple of years have taught us that we certainly do not. So this podcast is inspired by my own personal experience of how my year ended, and it was challenging to say the least. I learned a lot about myself. But it also is inspired by your stories because I've, I've was witness to those as you have shared your stories of loss and disappointment and illness and heartache, all those things that are part of the human experience that can often threaten to overwhelm us. And yet somehow we manage to keep breathing and persevering and moving forward. I certainly hope that is the case for you as well. So here's how we're going to start this, because so many of you who follow me are on a healing journey to deconstruct from your religious heritage or heal from religious trauma. There's a teaching moment here about how we handle our own suffering, because if you are like me and are have um, deconstructed or are deconstructing from the evangelical fundamentalist conservative Christianity, the teachings around pain and suffering uh, are very unique. They were taught, we were taught pain and suffering were seen as having a purpose in our lives. That whatever you were experiencing, no matter how painful and challenging, God must love you enough to send you through it because it was going to make you stronger. You're enduring it was something that you needed to prepare you for something that's coming forward that that is being prepared for your life. And I often heard that uh, said to me, when I if I shared anything that was challenging or painful in my life, and I heard it all the time, in funerals, in funeral sermons, where people would might offer something like, God must love you to put this burden on you. You must be very strong for God to give you this pain as if what you're going through and the loss you're experiencing had something to do with how much God loved you. Loved you. I cannot count how many times I personally have heard pastors commending people who have just lost a loved one and that person 
who, who now this isn't about judging how a person experiences pain and loss. So that person might be celebrating the life by celebrating the fact that this person in their belief system is now in heaven. So celebrating with joy that this person is, has gone on to what they believe heaven is like, a very active place where this person's soul is now at the, the, the message there, because the pastors never talk about the pain and the loss of those who are so torn up spiritually and emotionally by a life that ended, they don't talk about that, but by raising up the people and commending those who celebrate death in that way, it sends a very strong message that your pain, your expression of loss is not welcome here. And that was a message that came through loud and clear. I heard it from the pulpit. I heard it in funeral sermons. I heard it all the time when a pastor would share those stories, but not share when another person's pain was threatening to overwhelm them. And a lot of that comes from uh, sermon, I'm sorry, pas uh, passages of, from the Bible, such as Romans 8, 28, where Paul wrote, and we know that all, the, all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So in other words, everything that's happening in your life, even the painful parts are working for your good. So endure it, silence, anything and make sure that you are understanding that God won't give you anything that you can't handle. You have to keep that mentality. So no matter how much you are in uh, community, there's no safe place in that kind of setting where you can share truly your heart and your pain, which is also found in some of the ways that people will respond to your suffering. Now, I'm not I want to pause here for a minute and say something about as someone who was very active in uh, the, the comfort and care of spiritual communities inside the evangelical churches, or even in Christianity, depending on, you know, how, as I navigated through different uh, types of denominations of Christianity, I was very often involved with the comfort and care. That's just something I've always navigated towards. So there is a very active role to, to be able to offer food and comfort and to help uh, help service the family during the during the a time of uh, open grieving during a funeral service and things like that. But anybody who's a part of this um, this experience knows what I'm talking about, that this will resonate with you, that you understand that this is exactly what happens. And a lot of times you'll hear the saying, like I said, your suffering is equated to your cross to bear, because if you can remind the person, the Christian, that your suffering is equal to or less than the suffering of Jesus dying on the cross, then your pain is inconsequential compared to the horrible death that Jesus endured for your life to save your soul. So how can you not bear your cross with grace and often going inward instead of laying this out as a burden for your spiritual community? So in other words, religion taught us that our pain did not belong in the church, only our rejoicing of suffering belonged there. There was no safe space 
to share that pain. It would be used against you in some capacity. So we have to start recognizing this as a type of abuse and call it what it is. It's often referred to as spiritual bypassing, spiritual abuse, uh, religious trauma, but that's what it leads to. This kind of spiritual bypassing leads to religious trauma because your existence and your life experiences are minimized by those in power to control your emotions because controlling your emotions is a big part of controlling your life and controlling your life means you will continue to financially support an institution that you feel beholden to. And why do you feel beholden to it? Is it because tradition? Is it because a part of your comfort zone? Is it part of fear? Because you don't know that there are other options. Those were all kind of the reasons that I stayed for as long as I did. So I have a video that uh, on TikTok that I did last week. So this will be um, sometime in uh, the 1st of January. Um, and I duetted a person who was very sad because she was going to be alone over New Year's Eve. And all I said in the video, it's only about 15 seconds long. I just said, who is this beautiful soul? Let's hold space for her. And at the end, I say, I love you. I was even surprised at how many people commented that the sound of my voice and the words I used, they broke, they broke out into, they just burst out into tears. And I believe that first of all, that is, that, that is a person's soul recognizing another person who's offering compassion. And it's exactly what that person needs. And they are so, they are in tune enough with what's going on in their inner being that they allow the tears to come forth because the sound of my voice, they recognize something that their body, their soul needed at that moment, which was to cry, to receive that compassion, even though it was offered through a video to someone else, they recognize those words as something that they needed. And I believe that the reason that this happens quite often, especially for the people who are following me on that platform is because they have never been in the presence of compassion. They've never been in the presence of empathy. It has been their pain, what, whatever, it, whether it comes from religion or whether it comes from their, their cultural or familial value, values has been taught that they suppress that pain. But at the, at the mere sound of someone offering compassion, the tears burst forth. So what we're talking about today is very important to our well-being. And our well-being is, helps us how we show up in the world. And then how we show up in the world is our humanity. And our humanity is intricately connected to our spirituality. Our spirituality, first and foremost, is how what we do to prepare the inner mind, body, soul triad, so that when we turn back and face the world and connect with humanity, we are showing a better version of ourselves. That is what, first and foremost, I believe is the most important elements of our spirituality. That's why this kind of conversation is so important because our scars teach us so much. We'll go into a little bit more about that, but I want to I want to do a, a, a little detour here and talk about something else 
because we just talked about one, one side of the spectrum where we talked about how the Christian concept around pain and suffering. So let's go over here to the other side of the spectrum and let's talk about the Buddhist teachings, the teachings of the Buddha around suffering. Now, I can, I can almost bet that right now, especially for those of you who are deconstructing from your Christian heritage, there may be a moment of feeling uncomfortable as we consider teachings outside of Christianity. I want you to hear this. And we'll be talking more about this throughout the year because this has, has come home to me in so many ways recently. One of the most important elements of deconstructing is the peeling away of the many layers of indoctrinated beliefs you are carrying with you. It isn't enough to just stop going to church. It is not enough to just stop going to church. If you haven't deconstructed those beliefs, those beliefs are the filter through which your life experience must pass. Did you catch that? If you have not deconstructed those beliefs, those beliefs are the filter through which your life experiences are passing through. That means your biases, your prejudices, your ingrained views on a perceived superiority, whether it's your beliefs or the color of your skin and so on. You may think that you are the most liberal and open-minded person on the planet, but unless you have actively deconstructed from your religious heritage, unless you have decolonized your faith, healed from your religious trauma and learned from other wisdom teachers outside your religious heritage, your religious heritage is still holding you hostage. You will not be able to step fully into your life unimpeded by your former, former dogma and religious beliefs. So the first step to deconstructing is acknowledging this. The second step is to follow those of us who are actively deconstructing because we're sharing our stories on social media platforms, we're offering educational ways to do this. So I include myself in this because if you notice, I use deconstructing because even though I've been doing this now for over 10 years, you don't ever stop. Just like you don't stop taking care of your home, your mind, your body, uh, healing your trauma, you don't ever stop deconstructing. It's a pulsating event that becomes something that you welcome when you understand there will always be pockets of things for you to untangle, healing for you to, to discover that you can go a little deeper, a little farther into your spiritual journey. So here on this podcast, we'll be doing more episodes to look at our deconstructing experiences and offering, offering you tangible ways that can help you on your spiritual journey. All right, so now back to the Buddha, all of that just to get us back to the Buddha. Now. Are you grounded and present to listen to the Buddha's words about suffering? Because they are important, especially for those of you who are deconstructing in the spirit or you're in the spiritual wilderness or seeking healing from religious trauma. So there is a, a, a fundamental teaching in Buddhism called the Four Noble Truths. This, this tells us that we humans will suffer. It's part of the human condition. We will suffer. It's unavoidable. If we are living and breathing, then we are loving and losing. So these four noble truths say this, suffering does exist, that suffering does have a cause, 
it will end. And suffering has an end when we accept that suffering is the result of our dependence on things or people, our attachment to things or people. Now that is a high flyover of the four noble truths. So let's go a little deeper, but not much. Because number one, while I'm inspired by, as an interfaith, interspiritual minister, I am inspired by the teachings of the Buddha. I do not follow a traditional Buddhist practice. I'm, I'm inspired uh, by doing meditation. I, I read um, from their uh, sacred texts and I practice some of those practices that are, that are offered to communities outside of the Buddhist practices. But I am, I am not, I don't follow a traditional Buddhist practice. And so I'm not offering this as an expert on Buddhism. And number two, the four noble truths that I just introduced here are just a segue into the other deeper levels of Buddhist teaching that we do not have time for here. But back to the four noble truths, um, that they are not only about suffering as we may consider in things like loss, grief, or sorrow. It's about life. It's just about living. It's about the, the everyday stressors, the aging process, our children leaving, our dogs dying, things happening, the, the world calamities, and then ultimately our own death. So how can we find harmony in this perpetual state of impermanence? That's, the, that's a question that, that can become part of your practice. How do you find harmony and peace in a perpetual state of impermanence, of an perpetual state that says we have no control over the next moment because nothing lasts forever? So for me, these teachings, these teachings remind me to be present in this life versus the Christian teachings of my religious heritage that often encouraged me to stifle my emotions because of, about things happening in this life because nothing mattered more than my reward in heaven. I believe a lot of those Christian teachings completely miss their mark. Jesus's words about earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, were about how we find peace here. We were never to ignore our lives here. I believe that Jesus modeled a radical advocate life. Jesus was the one who turned over the money exchange tables in the temple gardens because he was furious about a system that required a group of people to perpetually be oppressed and, and subjected to a corrupt money exchange system that they could never have any control over changing. It infuriated him that that was, a, that was attached to religion and it required these people to stay forever oppressed. How much more of a roadmap do we need about showing up as advocate for people who have been marginalized and oppressed by systematic oppressive systems that are in place in our own lives. So 
we were never to ignore our lives here. Life isn't something to endure. It's something to embrace, experience, and enjoy to the extent that we can when we accept that nothing lasts forever and change is inevitable. So yes, the Christian teachings on the opposite end of the spectrum to the Buddhist teachings, and probably somewhere here in the middle is where you'll find a lot of us trying to figure out how we navigate or move away from some of those Christian teachings and also look to other wisdom uh, keepers and sages and teachers that uh, sacred wisdom that can help us on our path to healing. So here's the question. How do we find hope when we hurt? Peace when we are troubled and joy when we feel joyless? Beloved, I wish I knew the answer to that to the point where I could just offer it to you in one sentence. The only thing I can say to you with all honesty is that the truth about pain and suffering is that it's often something we don't want to hear because we want, temp we want relief now. But what we need to know is that what we the relief we seek the the relief from the pain and the suffering actually is about the inner work that we do it is about the work it's called healing work it is about staying present in what's happening in this life that impacts our spirituality and our common humanity. Because what we need to do when pain comes, when loss comes, when deception comes, and those things that leave wounds on us, what do we need to do to heal? Now, in the accompanying blog uh, with this that you can find at numasoul.com, I talk about the difference between mending and healing. And I kind of just arbitrarily did this, but this made sense for me in a way that I think I can provide a visual. So in my mind, mending is not the same as healing, even though the words are often used interchangeably, because if we, if we are, if we're holding onto a pain and a, a, of loss, uh, if we don't do the work to acknowledge the pain, to work through the heart, the hurt, the harm that came our way, the scar will bend, or just like a wound on our body, the scar will come. The out, outer edges of that will start to mend together and we will have a scar there that will remind us of the injury. But when we're talking about soul or emotional wounds, that scar may rep rep represent healing. But if we didn't do the inner work, the next time that pain comes, the next time that loss comes, we will be less prepared for it than we were before because we never did the inner work to heal from that loss. Now, beloveds, I'm going to be the first to say to you that oftentimes the loss is so great and the pain is so deep that we are never the same. There's no going back 
to normal when normal, our lives look nothing like what we had before. I get that. Because like I said earlier, if we are living and breathing, then we are loving, we're losing, we're rejoicing, and we're, and we're mourning. All of that will continue to ebb and flow. But when we do the work, we accept the fact that we experienced loss, and yet life is still calling us back. People we love are still wanting us in their lives, desiring us, the callings that we have, the work that we're here to do, the way that we show up while we're here having this human experience. Because we know that it's difficult and I wish it could be different, but we all know that it's true. So we start to do the work by examining what parts of us are different and what lessons can we take from what happened and i'm i'm the first to tell you that when it's a tragedy that's so great those lessons can be hard to find because when we are victims of a tragedy that's so great that created a loss in our lives how can there be a lesson there? The lesson may be nothing more than we're accepting that we're human and this hurts. We're gonna hold space for that. We can't deny it. We can't suppress it and put a lid on it and lock it and think that we're ever going to not be able to revisit it. It comes along with us. And we make room for it. We make space for it. Maybe we create an altar for it. Maybe we, we remember anniversaries. I've talked a lot about that in some of the videos that we've done about grief and sorrow. And uh, we'll talk more about that as time goes on as well, because we feel like that's a very much par a part of deconstructing. Because we, especially here in America, we do not do a good job of holding space for the grieving. And so we have to learn how to set boundaries about how we're going to continue to show up for ourselves and those around us. But especially then when we look at suffering that was caused from another aimed at you, whether it's through deception, uh, harm in some way, abuse, how do we move past that when someone has let us down so harshly that it has changed us it changes our perceptions about our safe spaces who we have allowed into our inner boundaries that's the kind of work that we do because we want to be able to take that experience and come out a wiser stronger person more capable of weathering the storms that will inevitably pass our way again versus a weakened state of us because we refuse to see that maybe there are some things that we could have done differently about ourselves when we often look back and see some red flags that we ignored that told us that we were headed someplace that we really didn't belong. That's what I mean by the difference of taking a scar that's just mending because time is happening and the scar 
covers over, but the wound is still deep and uh, an abscess is growing and it's going to pop open the next time pain comes our way versus doing the work to tend to the wound, to tend to the heart, to process what happened and learn from that experience. And oftentimes that requires a sacred circle of people. I hope that for you, that you have people in your life that not just people who are going to mirror back to you your pain. Yes, we need that, especially in the early, in the early moments of, of pain and suffering. We need that because there's oftentimes a, a moment of shock. That's called holding space. That's why we hold that space so that the person has time to process what just happened. But then as time goes on and life starts to call you back, we need people in our lives that are going to challenge us to heal and not just be a mirror to our, to our pain and our suffering that can lead us into a perpetual victim mentality, but ask us, come out here and let's talk about what happened. How can we, how can we prop you up and make you stronger now? What did you learn from this? Who showed up for you? Who is in your inner circle now? What boundaries are you putting in your life to ensure that only the people that you, that deserve to be in those inner circles are there? What elements of you have changed and grown and healed and moved beyond this experience? There's a lot of work in that. And like I said, this is just the start of uh, a theme, if you will, for the entire year that is about us being accountable for how we're showing up in our lives, but also holding space for our healing, our deconstructing journeys. So I wish that for you, beloved. I pray that the scars you carry remind you of your stories. And may they reflect the work that you have done to ensure that they are not just mended, that they are truly healed. So we can all say that suffering came into our lives, but it did not win. It did not conquer us. It made us gentler, humble, wiser, and stronger. Blessed be. Okay, beloveds, I am so honored to be in this space with you, and I pray you receive something. I know I did, because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love, and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and I will see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. 
Bye for now.